This is a podcast from Minute Media. In the fall each year we all congregate The bounce all gathered at the church of Pilgrim The scriptures reading from the book of Munson Our favorite verse, my God, a freshman German can obnoxious, what you'll face Ain't nothing finer in the land Now the 3,000 of our best friends It's Saturday in that thing Welcome to the Saturday in Athens podcast. We're a Georgia Bulldogs show by dogs fans for dogs fans. I'm your host, Herschel Gurley, and we are uh, fired up tonight to be joined by DGD in, in more ways than one, Payne Walker. Payne, what's up, brother? Thanks for hanging with us. How's it going? Thanks for having me on. So first and foremost, if you follow our show and follow our social accounts, you know that we are big, big advocates. Our listeners know that we, uh, we want everybody to know their snappers. And Payne is the snapper on all, I guess you'd call them placement kicks, field goals and extra points. Yeah. Does a fantastic job, wears number 47. So make sure and find him in your media guide and find him on your field. Want to start with you tonight. Talk to us a little bit and tell the listeners a little bit about not just the DGD fund, but what the origins of that was and kind of where the brainchild for that all started. For sure. So it started um, in July when the NIL bill was passed for college athletes to be able to benefit from their name, image, and likeness, we kind of thought it, saw it as an opportunity to give back to the community rather than to potentially benefit from our name, image, and likeness. And being a long snapper, it's a little difficult to do that. So it was a perfect opportunity <laughs> to give back um, into something that meant a lot to me. Um, so it's five of us, John Fitzpatrick, John Staten, Stetson Bennett, Owen Condon, and myself. Um, and it kind of started off, we had this idea of, you know, we could make a real impact if we create this foundation to get back to these right now five organizations that have some sort of personal value to us and our past. So we kind of just sat down. It was a lot of late nights in the quarterback meeting room kind of jumping over obstacles of what we were going to call it, how we could get around copyright with names and because we wanted it to be Georgia um, affiliated where you could easily identify that we were football players. So there's a lot of meetings um, later in the evening um, in the quarterback room, us five just kind of coming up with ideas, thinking about what we were going to um, call this thing. And then what more importantly, where we were going to give back. And so we just kind of sat down and each of us thought of our own individual organization um, that meant something to us. So after that, we kind of took off running. We partnered with um, Athens Area Community Foundation. They're super helpful um, getting this thing up and running. And what is the charity that, that you chose for, for, the, for proceeds to go to in your name? So I chose Happy Feet, which is a special needs organization in Swanee, Georgia, similar to ESP here in Athens, um, but it's just where I'm from. And I've been involved with them since I was like a sophomore in high school. Um, we're super close family friends with the people who run it. Um, and it's just something that I've been super involved with going back six years from now, maybe seven. And I thought, you know, these kids mean a lot to me. This organization means a lot to me. So I want to give back for all the memories that I've had with them. 
Oh, I love that. Well, so I, when y'all were thinking about doing this and trying to figure out how to execute it, did y'all have any idea what the response would be and, and the outpouring of support, how all that would materialize? In the early stages, not really. We, uh, we, we knew it, it would be hard for us to do it wrong um, because we knew that we would have a lot of people on our backs with it and wanting to help. But as far as getting it up and running, we were really kind of just like, let's just uh, figure it out, I guess. We had help from John Parker, who's been tremendous help to us. And he kind of gave us a rundown on nonprofit organizations and filing 501c3 and that sort of thing to get going. Um, but in the beginning, we were just kind of five guys with the vision. Um, it took some time. Oh, that's awesome. Well, it's been, it's been great to kind of see it take off and the support it's gotten on social. A lot of alums, not just of the football team, but of Georgia in general, have, mm-hmm. have kind of retweeted and gotten awareness out. And that's been really, really cool to see and justified because I think what y'all are doing is fantastic. And y'all had an excitement announcement last week, right? Had I have gotten some uh, sponsorship or I guess partnership from Ornwood Reserve doing an apparel line where proceeds from the line will go to the DGD fund. So tell our listeners a little bit about that and how they can support in that way. So we partnered with Ornwood Reserve and TJ Callaway, who's been hands down awesome in this whole operation because we were, we've always wanted to, we've Love their clothes since been even before we got to college and we're like, this is perfect to get our logo out there and also give back to the fund. So we um, partnered up with them and got a couple shirts and hats made, um, which you can buy on their website or in the store um, right on Clayton Street. And a percentage of the profit of our clothes sold go to the fund. Yeah, that's fantastic. TJ's a great guy. We had him on the mm-hmm. show about seven or eight months ago. Loves the dogs. Uh, so when I saw y'all announce that, I was not surprised at all. Like he's just yeah. good, good dude. And I, I'm all, it's really cool that, that him and that Warnward is, is supporting that. Plus what a, what a great spot to go visit when you come in town on a game day weekend. So dogs fans, if you're there, pop by Warnward, get yourself a, a cocktail on Saturday morning from Warnward and get you a DGD shirt. It'll be a perfect way to start the game day. Well, so I, I want you to tell our listeners, too, just a little bit about yourself, about, about your story and about your journey to Georgia. Was, was Georgia where you always wanted to go to college? I know you've got some family history and family connections to the university. Um, just talk a little bit about that and kind of what the decision process was like when you were leaving high school and deciding where you're going to go to college. So growing up, I've always been a Georgia fan. Um, I actually grew up in Jacksonville, Florida. Um, and then moved to Kansas City uh, when I was starting kindergarten. And we were like the only Georgia fans there. Everyone thought it was so weird. Like, why do these people like Georgia? Um, <laughs> but eventually I moved to Swanee and went to North Gwinnett High School. And we won state championship my senior year, which is awesome. But anyway, my uncle, Gordon Terry, actually played for Georgia. Um, his last year was um, 79, so he just missed Miss National Championship. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> but, um, you know, getting recruited as a long snapper is a little different than a lot of other positions. It happens a little bit later, and most of the offers coming in were preferred walk-ons. Um, I was communicating with the Air Force Academy, Army, Georgia Tech, and Georgia. And then once Georgia offered me a preferred walk-on, it was kind of a no-brainer. It was 
where I wanted to be. I actually, in my uh, commitment picture, it's literally a me at when I was like, I don't even know how old, probably three or four with the Georgia Bulldog helmet on. And it's, it's always been a dream and it's awesome to be here and living out that. So for our listeners that don't know, take them through what the process is, especially at the high school level to, mm-hmm. to snapping. Cause like, for example, like we have talked about offline, I snapped in high school, but it was more of a, nobody else was going to do it. And I was kind of like, well, I can do it and I'll, I'll figure out a way to be good at it. And I, I don't think most people who are probably casual watchers of football really realize how important it is. It's one of those things where in some ways it's a thankless job because the only time people know you're on the field is if something goes wrong. Um, so it's kind of, you want to be a no name player because that means you're doing your job right every time. Right. Yeah. Which is tough though, because it's a lot of time and a lot of work. So, so tell us about how you kind of got into the long snapping space in high school and then, and that journey. So in eighth grade, I was on an FBU team. I played quarterback back in the day, believe it or not. So did I. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot. It seems like. If you can throw the ball somewhat decent, you might be a good long snapper. Yeah. Um, but it started back then. I was kind of, it was a similar case of, you know, we don't have somebody to do this. Can you figure it out? And it was more, my cousin actually um, snapped and was a walk on linebacker at South Carolina um, and kind of walked me through like very minimal basics of, you know, this is how you hold it. You use two hands, not one hand, um, <laughs> that sort of thing. Um, and then when I got to high school, it became more of like a sort of a way to get on the field early. I played defensive end um, in my sophomore year. I started a defensive end also, more like three techniques, five techniques sort of deal. Um, but I also wanted to snap because I knew with my size, I probably wasn't going to be able to go anywhere big for defensive line. Um, so snapping was the gateway to that. And it more so became my sophomore year, it was more like, you know, let's just kind of get it done. Um, and then I kind of realized, you know, this is a big opportunity to be able to move on to the second level. Um, so I started going to Cole's kicking camps, um, that sort of thing, and really working on technique and just snapping in general and actually caring about it rather than just something I did on Friday nights. And then it kind of turned into, okay, I know what I'm doing and I'm actually pretty good at it. People are starting to kind of reach out and give you those emails or Twitter DMs or any sort of form of communication when you're snapping a ball. You're like, oh, this is pretty cool. Like, I didn't realize (laughs) it's important because in high school, it's more so you have someone on your team who can do it or you don't. Um, So, kind of moving off of that, it was, I saw a real opportunity and just decided, you know, this is really something that means a lot to me and it's going to get me where I want to go. Uh, with my football goals. Um, so I kind of just honed in on it and practiced in the backyard, made some targets with my grandfather and was out there snapping as much as I could. I'm glad you brought up Coles because that's one thing that that's changed a lot, you know, eons ago when I was snapping in high school I, and the, the resources aren't what they are now. So now there's Coles and there's Rubio and they do a great job with, you know, information and, having camps you can go to and all these type of things. And I, I think they're also functioning as a way for snappers and specialists to get seen nationwide, which is great. Um, uh, so how does it, 
yeah, how does that process work? Like, is that something where you have to apply? Can anybody go to the camps? Like if, if we have you know, kids that are in high school listening that are snapping or looking to maybe get serious about it, what are the resources they can, they can use and utilize? Yeah. So they have camps all around the country. Um, and all you have to do is just register for it. It's no, you don't have to get selected by any means to go to any of their camps. They actually just applied when I was, I think I was a junior when I went to my first one um, and just registered for it, showed up and ended up getting ranked ninth in the country. And it was like, oh, wow. Okay. Um, but then they have other camps throughout those where you get invited to like an underclassman challenge or something like that, where they take a handful of guys, but anybody can go to um, any other camps. They also have training sessions, I believe, um, where it's not like a ranking camp where you might necessarily get like star ranking or any of that. But honestly, that's probably more beneficial just because you're getting taught proper technique and the proper way to snap versus going out there and competing, which is also very important. But if you're early on, those training camps will be very beneficial. I want to pivot back a little bit to your story about where you lived growing up and stuff. So Jacksonville, which mm -hmm. is where the cocktail party's hosted. So a little dog's connection there, but yeah. I'm really more interested in the Kansas city piece only because I have three siblings that went to KU and my brother oh, yeah. still lives. Yeah. Rock shocks. And my brother still lives in Gardner. Um, so I have a ton of Kansas city collection. So where did y'all live in Kansas city? Park. Oh yeah. OP. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. That's a so cool I'm area. Going to, um, we actually lived down the street from blue Valley Northwest. High yeah. school. My dad was the assistant swim coach. Both my parents swam in college, so that was my first sport was swimming. I loved it. I still do. Yeah, Blue Valley Northwest, right down the street. Oh, that's cool, man. Yeah, so my my brother was – my oldest brother was the first one to go out there, and he went after the Army, and he went to Johnson County Community College and then transferred mm -hmm. into KU. So, man, he's been out there probably – I don't know. It's been a long time. So I think uh, Kansas City gets – especially, like, Overland Park area gets a bad. You think of Kansas, it's like Wizard of Oz, middle of nowhere, but it's nothing like that. It's basically oh, like Metro Atlanta, like suburbs of Georgia, except less trees and more flat. Yeah, plus world class barbecue, brother. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what it, my favorite thing to do is as soon as you get off the plane, there's this spot. Well, it's called Kansas City Joe's now, but then it was Oklahoma Joe's. It's like my favorite mm -hmm. barbecue spot in Kansas City. And so we'd go from the airport straight to Oklahoma Joe's, which is in a gas station, which I think makes it taste better. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's that, that's my spot for sure. Well, that's cool. So how old were you when you moved back to Georgia? Uh, I was seventh grade. So 13, 12, 13. Yeah. Do you have siblings? I have two younger brothers. One is a junior at Georgia who plays lacrosse, um, and the other is a junior at uh, North Gwinnett who he plays basketball. Oh, cool. So you got a brother at school with you? Mm -hmm. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, it's super cool. He literally lives like down the street. So, Oh, man, that's awesome. Well, that's my other question, but I'm always interested in this from the player's side is, you know, as fans, which a lot of our listeners are, they are seeing it from one perspective and through one lens, right? But I'm always more mm -hmm. interested in the player side of it and how cool it is kind of sharing this journey with your family and loved ones as you go mm -hmm. through this. Yeah, I mean, it's awesome because we live, my family lives 
an hour away. So they're able to come to every single game home. Usually they always come uh, road. They're always there too. Cause my brother being a college kid likes to go out and see the, the cities and um, you, you can imagine. Um, but it's yeah. awesome being having them so close and my brother who literally lives down the street. It's really cool to be able to share that. Cause I mean, they're in the same position as me of being a lifelong Georgia fan and just that experience of getting to go to all the games and have that environment when it's a night game in the fourth quarter and the lights are on and it's super cool to be able to share that with them. So we ask a lot of our interview guests this question. We do something called the smart 16 where we have our interview guests like answer 16 questions in honor Mm -hmm. of coach smarts number when he was playing there. And one of the questions we usually ask is, what is your favorite road stadium in the Southeastern Conference? So what is what is that for you? What's the coolest place that y'all have played when you've been on the team? The coolest place? So hmm, the cool so I have two answers, I guess. That's good. Um, yeah. I didn't actually play when we went to LSU. I traveled though, and that was intense. That stadium yeah. was crazy. Um and then coolest place I've played, probably uh, it's toss up. I would probably Alabama last year. Even though it wasn't full capacity, it was super cool to be able to play there. But nothing beats playing at home. So yeah, so I'm glad you brought that up too. Well, first off, my brother was in Tuscaloosa last year for that game, and he said the same thing. He said yeah. You know, even though it wasn't full capacity, he's like, the atmosphere was cool. Like the environment mm-hmm. was cool. So yeah, that, that that's a good one. And we've, we've had a couple of our interview guests say Death Valley was for sure. Like yeah, that was, that place, that, it was rocking. Yeah. Even we didn't win. It was still as a freshman coming in, you're like, wow, this is crazy. So you brought up Sanford and I want to talk to you about that because you'll have some perspective because you've been there over a few years. We have talked on the show about Sanford is always a great place to play between the hedges is between the hedges. It's iconic. It's a fantastic home venue, a fantastic place to play your home games. This year's been different. It's felt like to us. I mean, it's been electric in yeah. the best possible way. Do y'all feel that? Has it felt that way on the field? I mean, yeah. it's been loud, brother. Mm-hmm. I think I was actually had to do media a couple of weeks ago, and they asked me a similar thing about the noise against Arkansas, and I was like, that's probably the loudest I've heard it since the fourth quarter against Notre Dame yeah. my redshirt freshman year. And it might have been louder. It's been this year. It's something with the fans. They got they got something going this year. They're being extra loud, and it honestly it helps us tremendously too. With the other team when they're on offense and it's third down, and you can't hear yourself think. You're like, okay, definitely these guys who are out there trying to remember a call, know who they're blocking, read the um, defense or whatever their whatever their job is. It's definitely um, impaired by the loudness of the stadium for sure. Yeah, it was crazy. I don't know if you had seen any of the, the stuff on social, but for the Arkansas game, Holly Rowe did a report from the sideline. And mm-hmm. it was either the week before the Arkansas game or maybe two weeks before her and Fowler and Herb Street had done the whiteout for Penn State Auburn, which mm-hmm. is notoriously crazy environment, super loud, right? So she reports from the sideline in the first quarter 
after Arkansas's first possession. And she's like, I just want to let everybody know that's watching. Uh, we did the whiteout last week and the decibel levels there were at like 103. And she's like, they just measured here on that last Arkansas drive at 110, which Happy Valley also seats like 16,000 more people than Sanford does. So, yeah. yeah, I just thought that was wild. And then we had a good buddy send us a screenshot from Saturday's game against Kentucky and it hit 113 on Saturday. So, yeah, I think that speaks for the dog fans. I mean, they, they're showing up this year. Yeah, for sure, man. Well, so the other thing I wanted to ask about, because it's something we kind of have been watching and keened in on from the first game because we were in Charlotte for the opener and you tell me if this is real or if this is something we're manufacturing. It seems like to us from the outside that as a team, y'all really like each other. And then that seems weird to say, but I don't know if that's always the case where it's super tight and it's super genuine. Mm -hmm. And it just seems very obvious that the team is very invested in each other and each other's, communal success not one guy doing one thing one guy doing another thing it just seems like guys are just happy for guys doing well like is that real or are we just kind of sure. making that up so this offseason we started doing these things called skull sessions um and one of our core values this year is connection which is kind of what you already hit on you know a, a genuine bond between your teammates not just you know, hey, how's it going in the locker room or in the hallway or on the way to meetings? It's you actually are getting to know these guys. You know their why. You know if they're having a good day, if they're having a bad day. You're everyone's super close knit now because of those and those the connection that we've grown this off season. And it definitely translates onto the field. You can see whenever like when Chris Smith got that pick six against Clemson, there was. 11, 10 other guys in the end zone with him immediately jumping up and down. When Dan Jackson blocks the punt, it's against Arkansas. It's everybody's just fired up. And I mean, it goes, you can see it on any touchdown. Everyone's just, we're so close this year and it's definitely playing to our advantage because of that brotherhood we've created in the off season that's continued to grow even this season throughout the last seven games. Yeah, I mean, it, it's been obvious to us from the outside. And to your point, bringing up the, the Chris Smith in interception, that was kind of one of the moments we saw it. We were like, look at the sideline right now. Like, it's not defensive group. It's the whole side. Everybody. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I, it's just been neat to see, man. And, like, I, I think from a fan's perspective, it's been really easy to fall in love with this team because of that. Because it just makes it, makes it easy to root for. Because you can just tell you guys are so invested in each other. I, uh, SEC Network did a piece on Saturday morning for SEC Nation with Jordan and Channing, and I think it, Quay was with them too. And Jordan Rogers was like talking to him about, you know, you, you guys are kind of getting labeled as the no-name defense because you like don't have like one big start. It's like everybody's eating all at the same time. And do you guys not like that? And they were all uniform, almost in uniform. Like, no, we love it because it's about all of us doing this together. And Jordan said something really interesting. He said, we had started and he's like, people have heard about it, about us being connected. He's like, but it's shifted and now it's just love. Mm -hmm. And that was real. Like, I, that's yeah. how it seems from the outside. So I, th mm -hmm. that's kind of, yeah, it's cool to hear that. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. So as you guys transition from this week to the back end of the season, 
what are some of the things that you're looking forward to, whether it be going down to the cocktail party for that game or just finishing out the season? Like, what are the things you're most looking forward to in the second half of the season? Honestly, just the opportunity to play. You only get so many games each year. And it seems like yesterday we were up at six in the morning running in the stadium with each other and all that. So I think we've definitely grown to be more appreciative of each game this year because um, you only get so many. And this is my fourth year playing. And it just seems like each year goes by faster and faster and faster every single week. It's crazy. Just, it seems like time flies. Um, so honestly, just the opportunity that we have to spend time with each other, um, whether that's at practice, in the locker room, even during games, it's, I think we're most excited just to keep going. Honestly, it's like coach speak as that sounds. Um, it, I think that's really the honest answer. All right. Important question. Now I know you don't hate being on a golf course. Are you going to get out and get to swing it at all this week with, with a uh, little bit of a lull? <laughs> we'll see. My little brother's birthday is on Friday, so I'm actually going home. I don't know how much golf I'll get in. I've been slacking recently. I need to get back <laughs> out there. Jake's been bugging me to go with him. Just haven't picked up the sticks in a minute. It'll probably be rough the next time I go out. We uh we came into town this summer and did Top Golf when it was at Sanford, mm-hmm. which I was that too. It was awesome. It was awesome, right? I thought it was such a cool thing. Yeah. Um, I thought they did a really good job with it. I thought the neatest thing was like the G was kind of the the biggest bullseye, mm-hmm. which yeah. that was cool, man. Um, but we went and played the chimneys up in Winder because mm-hmm. we I think there was a tournament or something at the UGA golf course. So we couldn't get on there because we had had a tee mm-hmm. time there, but that was the first time I played the chimneys and man, it was, we had a lot of fun. Yeah. That's a, I've played there probably two or three times. It's fun. I enjoy that. Nothing beats UGA golf course in my opinion. Yeah. Um, but that's probably my second favorite. UGA golf course, tough track to beat, man. It's, it's pretty pure. <laughs> it is pure. Always. Yeah. We, we, um, we talked to coach hack, maybe, I don't know maybe in the summer and mm. he was just cracking us up, man. Like he is an absolute riot, but he was telling us some stories about uh, going to Augusta when a bunch of the guys were in the field. Mm. And um, he told this story about, he got called over to like the putting green area. And he's like, it was like a very ominous call over. It's like, you like, don't know what's going to happen. But then yeah. I get over there and like all the guys that were my former players were there and they took a picture of all of us together and he said he's got this picture in his office of him and all the, you know, dogs on tour mm. at Augusta. He's like, it's like one of my favorite things. I think he said Mr. Payne, like, put it in a frame for him and, like, brought right. it to him. How, how cool is that? Yeah, that's super cool. I mean, yeah, dogs are killing it on tour this year. Keith Mitchell had an awesome tournament this last weekend. Oh, he was lights out, man. I, I mean, he was I, I thought he might have a shot to win the whole tournament after what he did Friday. Thursday, mm-hmm. Friday, he was on fire. Yeah. I mean, shoot, I feel like last last year, the the year Harris had, and then Harry goes and plays the Ryder Cup. Mm-hmm. Like, that was awesome. He's the stinking yeah. guest picker on game day. I know. <laughs> oh, I don't think cool, man. many people appreciated that on the team, except for Jake, Marta, and I. And probably <laughs> Brown Goody. There's a handful of guys. But we were, like, so fired up. We saw his Harris English. We were like, I know that guy. Yeah, some people were probably I don't know who he is, but yeah, that was that was cool, man. I mean, Kids had a pretty good year last year. He won on Mm -hmm. tour. I mean, I feel like anytime those guys went on tour, um, 
we talked to Brendan Todd a couple weeks back and we were talking about like the numbers, like think about NFL, right? There's Mm -hmm. 53 guys on an active Sunday roster and there's always mix it up. If it's 30 or 32 teams, always mix it up with baseball, but just think about numbers wise, biggest PGA tour event. There's like 156 starts, right? You got 156 Mm -hmm. guys in the field. Well, that's, that's essentially three NFL rosters. So You just have to be so elite to get to that point, I feel like. I don't know. It's cool. Yeah, it's crazy. All right. Well, look, before we let you go, and we're super appreciative for you taking some time with us because I know you're busy in the bye week with with schoolwork and all those type things and wanting to take a breath. But tell everybody how they can support DGD Fund, things they can do if they want to help you guys, whether that be just to spread the word, if they want to donate, if they want to partner with you guys to throw an event like a golf tournament, just sure. whatever folks can do to help support it and grow it. All right. Yeah. So we actually have our own website. It's ggdfund.org. Um, and then on the website, it tells you kind of our mission statement about the five of us, what um, organizations we've selected. And if you scroll all the way down to the bottom, there's a link that just says donate now. So if you want to donate, you can just click the link and It'll send you directly to where you can donate. Also, if you go to Onward Reserve um, website, they have a DGD fund page where you can buy our hats, polos, and other things like that. Um, and the, like we said earlier, a uh, portion of the proceeds go to our fund. Um, and as far as just helping out, you know, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. It's both just at DGD fund. Um, just retweet or reshare any of our posts we're trying to be more active uh it's a little difficult sometimes during the year during the season especially when we're practicing every day and that sort of thing um but yeah just reshare any of that and if you have um you want to partner or help plan an event uh you can just dm us on either one of those accounts or our personal accounts which are i believe in the bio of both the twitter and instagram um, but yeah, any support is greatly appreciated. All right. We're going to put all that information in the show notes for the show. And we will also put some links in on the social media posts when we release the episode. So guys go and check that out. We're also going to put uh pain social handles on there. So y'all can follow him and support him too. And like we always say, guys know your snappers here. Number 47 doing great things. All the snaps have been clean this year. Looking excellent. Um, we're always watching for you. So look, brother, we'll, we'll continue to root for you. You're doing great things. You're a great ambassador for the university and for your family. So go dogs, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Hey, George is better now.